edition of Weigh-In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, also known as Tarvino, joined with co-host Trey Patterson. And man, we are glad to be with you tonight. And again, thank you for joining us on this beautiful Wednesday night at a new time at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And we have a lot to cover tonight, so glad you're with us again. Tonight, of course, we're going to preview the top five NFL games of the week. And we're going to also go into college where there's some, I mean, this is not a week where you just, you have to be glued to the TV, but any day in November, any Saturday when college football is being played, Thursday night, whatever, you have to be watching college football because it can change in one game. And sometimes it's not the matchups that everybody is anticipating and, and circling upset alert. If you ask Stanford, it was Utah. You know, nobody expected Stanford to take care of Oregon either like they did, and that happened. So we're having a crazy year in college football this year, Trey. How you doing, sir? What's happening, buddy? I'm just ready to, to get some football talk going. And, and before we do that, uh, there's some news we're going to talk about in just a few minutes. And everybody get prepared. Florida State quarterback sensation Winston, Trey. Uh, I don't know. I know what you're going to say probably, but I do want to hear your thoughts about this sexual assault, these allegations of a sexual assault. So what were your initial thoughts to this? Well, my initial thoughts is there's a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about with, I guess, regarding uh, this this sort of uh, allegation. You know, we're talking about a report from December 2012. Um, You know, there's some, TMZ is the one who is uh, claiming that this is, you know, Winston is a subject of, and not necessarily a witness, but a subject of, or something like this. Uh, TMZ has, has been, I also say, faulty at times of the reporting in college football. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that Winston isn't involved. It just means that, you know, before you rush to judgment on anything, just recall that there's been, you know, there's some errors in the story as well. They claim that, uh, that for instance, Winston was already interviewed, and that was coming from the DA's office. The DA's office, including Florida's attorney, says that's not true. So. There's some reporting issues already in the story that seems to seem to be completely false, uh, but that doesn't mean that you know Winston isn't you know at least a suspect in this or at least a person of interest uh, in some sort of well, sexual allegation. Well, Trey, I do have thoughts on this, but again, I haven't researched it and dug into it. The only article I saw was from TMZ, and and like you said on Facebook, same person that said Cam Newton. Um, you know, received that money when he was going toward the Heisman and undefeated. And, again, that was Cam Newton. Nobody expected Auburn to be good that year or him be a Heisman. All of a sudden, about this same time, right before the Georgia game, Trey, and we, uh, this is when it broke with Cam. So how much is this, Is it, if it is true, how, I mean, why now? Why today? With three weeks well, left obviously, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, this is the same thing as Cam. It's dropped for a reason at the same time. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think the timing is all that bad. To be quite honest with you, I mean, the Florida game is a couple of weeks away, but you still got Idaho <laughs> and Syracuse. I mean, so you know, I'm not not so important. I mean, maybe it's because Jacob Coker went down and the backup for Florida State's gone, so maybe they're 
or there's a play to get the third-string quarterback for Florida State to play. But, I mean, given the fact that this has been known for this long, um, leads me to believe that, you know, people who are in the know uh, of the situation, you know, have valued it at a certain level already. Um, and, and I'll be honest, as a prosecutor who has prosecuted cases like this, you know, not just coming from, a, you know, the Bleacher Report, as we would say, people who think they know, you don't wait a long time to bring a case like this. I mean, if you have a witness uh, who, you know, complaining witness who says this happened, you know, and it's a he said, she said, I mean, you don't need to wait a year, man. You go forward with what you got if you have something at all. So unless there's, you know, some reason for crazy DNA analysis and the state's office is backed up 12 months, which, you know, it does happen, but, you know, I can't see any reason why this would take that long to invest. Well, if Winston was 6-3, and three, Florida State 6-3, and three, and Winston wasn't in the Heisman mention, would we be hearing about this today? No, we wouldn't. And that's what I want to make sure of. And if it is true, you know, they need to get to the bottom of it. Jimbo Fisher needs to do what he's got to do to make sure he doesn't play and stuff. So I want to hear what Jimbo says. And I, do, I need to, honestly, I need to do a little more digging myself before I want to bash the kid on air because, you know, everybody was on Cam Newton. There's a lot of kids uh, have been, you know, their name drug through the mud and just killed and all of a sudden nothing comes out of it and the media turns around and walks away. So, I do have to – Trey, I'm getting a little static, a little background static. I don't know if that's you or me, but can you check that? I think it's – I don't think it's me, buddy. Okay. Well, let me know in the chat room if everything sounds good. But, yeah, we're going to start out tonight. We're going to come back to this story. But, Trey, I don't know if you got to watch the Kentucky-Michigan State basketball game last night. But hey, starting before, a, before you come to that, hey, before you come to that, I do want to comment on another sexual assault that I think is more um, the evidence, the facts that we've come out actually with uh, are a little bit more troubling is the Vanderbilt case. I'm not sure if you saw the news article that broke today where it looks like the investigators are going to be going after texts from the coaches. Uh, have you seen that? I have not. Uh, fill us in on that, everybody out there. Myself, it hasn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, the most troubling thing is this actually looks at, you know, institutional-type cover-up would be you know, it would be the allegation if, if if you're looking at text from coaches and what they knew when. Um, so that's, you know, you're looking at the state attorney's office, looking at uh, subpoenaing and getting texts from the actual football coaches at Vanderbilt. And, you know, the only way I can think of, um, you know, that if you're a prosecutor and you want those texts is you feel there's some sort of evidence uh, of a crime or of some wrongdoing or, some, or, or maybe even some admissions of guilt. Um, and, you know, if you're looking for the coaches' text and that, um, that's certainly not going to be helpful for the people who are the defendants in the case. So, uh, interesting breaking out in that. So, I mean, that doesn't mean there's anything there, Tarvin, but the fact that they're asking for that means they have some, you know, suspicion uh, that there could be, and whether it's, you know, whether it's some sort of forensic analysis they've already done through a computer or a cell phone and it traces to a certain number, you know, that's, so it's interesting to, to think that that case might be going towards the institution. Yeah, and you, I mean, when you think of Vanderbilt, man, you don't think of sexual assault cases and things. You think of honor, integrity, intelligence, you know, doing things the right way. I mean, this is this is going to be troublesome. And, Trey, I want to do some more digging on this. But, wow, I mean, what do you do if you're, if you're in the AD position, the president of Vanderbilt, this happened with your new coach, Franklin. Is there anything you can do to, to maybe just have to get him – out of the picture and start over? I mean, he was the leader of this team. He recruited these kids. 
Well, yeah, I think you, you obviously, you hopefully that they have some sort of knowledge of what's going, what happened or what's going on. But yeah, I mean, at some point, if there is something wrong, and you know, I'm not saying that there is, but you obviously have to sort of go into mitigation mode at some point if if there is culpability, uh, no matter who it is. So um, we'll have to see. And I mean, again, not saying there's something there to it, um, but you know, that's a that's, that's an interesting development for sure. Definitely, and, and we'll we'll touch on that once more comes out. But Trey, last night in college basketball, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction. The two games, the first one between uh, Michigan State, Kentucky, and then Kansas Duke, those two games last night will be better than the final four matchups we see this April. What do you think? Well, you could be right, and actually, it could be the final four matchups that we see. I mean, there are four teams. <laughs> are pretty darn good. I mean, I think the, the three freshmen we saw play last night um, were pretty impressive. I mean, Kentucky, uh, man, they're they going to get so much better. Uh, you ha- And I think you know, they, they're, they're going to tear apart the SEC. I mean, I think Florida may have a shot at, at a metagame or two out of them, but there's nobody else in the SEC who probably will give them a game. So they're going to just they're going to get better and better. You have your Duke who, uh, I mean, Man, I mean, yeah, that's a good sophomore and that freshman on that team. And then, of course, at Wiggins in Kansas, boy, he looks real good. So, I mean, you're going to have those teams be so much better. And then, of course, you know, Tom Izzo only plays, you know, tough schedules to make sure his guys are tournament ready. So, you know, those four teams, Tarvin, could be the four we're left with. Well, well, you know, you know, Trey, looking at Kentucky, and you made a point last night where you you thought Kentucky they they may not get too much better because of the competition they play in their conference. But what you have to look at is their practice. I mean, they have ten McDonald's All Americans on that team, probably running full court against each other, getting better, getting used to to playing as a team. But I was more impressed with Kentucky last night, Trey, than I was with Michigan State. I saw Kentucky come back down from a big deficit. If they hadn't turned the ball over and missed 16 free throws, I really think if they can just just work on those turnovers, get that together, Kentucky will be unstoppable. But that Michigan State team, very impressive too. I mean, they, they've gotten a lot better since last season. And this is the same Michigan State I picked Duke over last year. But this year, I don't think I could put Duke over Michigan State, Trey. Michigan State looks very good. And they look seasoned. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they have, they have, you know, it's funny because you talk, you know, they're, you know, they're big guys a sophomore, and so you know, you, you kind of think, well, that seems to be, at times with uh, college basketball, you know, sort of an odd thing to have a, a sophomore be so good because you know all the guys leave as freshmen nowadays, but there are some still floating around, and you know, Tom Izzo is one of those guys who really goes after his team early on. I mean, he wants to schedule tough games in the very beginning. Look at Michigan State, and they're they're kind of. You know, to me, they're almost a little bit like Nick Saban. They try to go out in the beginning of the year and sort of just, you know, schedule an opponent to play, sort of to test themselves immediately. And, that, you know, you kind of like that with Michigan State because Izzo will play anybody anywhere. Um, and then I think a lot of times that's why he's had so so much success in the tournament because his guys are ready. Yeah, I mean, look at it, Trey. They were down by 12 points at halftime, Kentucky was, and they managed to win the second half by eight. But you have to – you have to – applaud really Michigan State when Kentucky came all the way back, tied the game uh, with what, about six minutes left, seven minutes left in the game. Michigan State went on a quick 5-0 run, and, and after that it seemed like they sealed the deal. But it was a, just a very intense game to be early in the season like this. I mean, these teams are very talented. They're well coached. Look at the four coaches that were coaching last night. 
Wow. I mean, how do you get – you got Izzo, Calipari, uh, what's his name, Self, and uh, Krzyzewski. I mean, how do you beat those four coaches on one night of basketball on ESPN? Yeah, and I'll tell you, Tarvin, though, one thing that I think was sort of overlooked, at least for me at first, maybe nobody else, but was the fact that, you know, you got to give ESPN, and there's a lot of times where I don't give ESPN much credit, but, you know, I think you got to give ESPN credit for making sure that happened, you know, early in the season, because I'm not sure about you, Tarvin, but generally I don't even watch college basketball that early in the season. And the fact that I was glued to my TV last night because of college basketball tells you something about the sort of the, you know, the excitement they built up in that game last night. Putting those four coaches and those players together was pretty awesome. Well, that's a great point. And, and honestly, I thought that last night. I'm like, usually I don't pay attention to college basketball until after football's over. But being able to see these two games, it, it kind of whet my appetite a little bit for college basketball. And it makes me want to follow these teams and see – how they progress, but that was kudos because I think, you know, the college basketball, they've been hearing for years and years that nobody pays attention to you. So now I guess they're trying to put lipstick on a pig, but it, it did. I, it fooled me, Trey. I didn't see the pig last night. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, man. That was that was really a good job from them putting that together, and it really got me excited for March already. Oh, man, it's going to be good. Kentucky and Michigan State, Kansas, Duke. I mean, they're so – I mean, imagine last night. Watch, Record those games if you did like I did. Watch them now. Wait until March and then come back and watch the teams side by side, and you're going to see night and day. So I bet the rest of college basketball is a little concerned right now. It kind of – it also is an intimidation factor. If you get to play against top competition, whether you win or lose, as long as you play respectable – I think it sends a message to everyone else, Trey. How many games is Kentucky going to win just because they show up this season? Because it's already going to be in people's minds how good they are. Well, you know, and there's that too. And one of the things I was thinking about last night was, is you know, you're always talking about recruiting and, you know, RPI is so important in college basketball. How big is it for those programs that have been involved with that what happened last night? Because, um, you know, I was thinking about this when I was watching those games. I was like, you know who's missing is, the, you know, one of the big powerhouses of college basketball um, and who, who recruits really well and has a top ten class coming up and, you know, National Signing Day series away in college basketball, for those who didn't know. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking, well, well how, does, how does North Carolina feel for being you know, not involved in these two, these two games? Because, you know, I felt like this, this, the teams that were involved were getting such a bump uh, in the recruiting and in, in just the, the RPI index, I mean they're going to be so well stacked for the, you know, the, their postseason run because of what they did and who they saw in those two games. And a, and a game that got overlooked last night, Trey. I don't know if if you noticed it was on even with those two, uh, the Florida Gators. They're very high ranked this year, playing against Wisconsin, and Wisconsin, you know, took care of business, I believe. But that was a great matchup. You know, I know it has nothing compared to the first two that we're talking about, but Florida-Wisconsin was a great game last night. Yeah, Wisconsin, you know, I, I, you know obviously it was in a little bit of an upset because Wisconsin was ranked 20th and Florida was obviously retired. But, you know, again, you know, good job on them scheduling that game early. You know, the, uh, the ACC and the Big Ten have done a great job in basketball with scheduling that challenge each year, and it's helped out both conferences quite a bit. And, you know, it's good to see, you know, some of the other big programs like Florida who, you know, again, is – they're putting together a top ten class this year as well, uh, and recruiting. And I don't, I don't know if you know this about Florida Tarvin, but they actually gave a one-armed kid, or a one-handed kid, I should say, a, uh, an, basically a preferred walk-on spot for the basketball team this year, 
Uh, and actually, if you YouTube, man, to get the kid's crazy. He can dunk, and he's really, really good. So I got to give Billy Donovan uh-huh. and the Florida staff a lot of credit for what they did with him. He's, he's, a, he's obviously talented enough to play there. Um, but, you know, I got to tell you that Florida's looking pretty darn good for next year recruiting-wise as well. Well, they are. Billy Donovan, probably in my mind, the best coach in college basketball, and and he's going to get that program back to where they're playing Final Fours every season. But Trey, as a coach, as a former coach myself in basketball, I think last night's games were so important not only for the, you know, visibility out there, everybody getting to see it, but it also lets Calipari use this game to see where he's at. You can't find out how good your team is in practice. You can't find out how good your team is playing Mercer and Alcorn State and like most of these colleges do for a month. They came out right away. They played one of the top teams in the country, and they found out, look, we played bad at times. We played good at times. At the end of the day, this is where we are. This is where we need to be. So you tell me how important those games were last night to these coaches to be able to see a barometer of where they are and where they need to be. Well, it's, I think it's critical in that regard. I mean, you need to see what talent you have and against good competition because it helps you address your deficiencies. I think Kentucky uh, had probably the best shot at that because their transition defense and offense was, was very lacking last night. Uh, if you watched that game, Michigan State was really dominating them. It actually should have been up even bigger than they were in the first half, they, but they blew opportunities. So you get the chance to really assess you know, your weaknesses and your strengths against basically some of the best competition that the college basketball has to offer. Well, Trey, what this makes me want to do is do a show very soon and kind of go over once we see the teams play a couple of games and, and, and kind of go over our rankings, you know, maybe our top ten teams, what teams could surprise because I hate you – know, there's so many basketball games and these guys don't play anybody sometimes until a month into it. So I want to – evaluate some teams, and we can, we're going to do a show on that. But, Trey, let's move on um, to baseball. I mean, there's some awards going out today, and, and if you'll discuss those with everybody right quick, well, I think just a small break. Yeah, um, and while Tarver's taking a break, I'm going to address a question to him. And, of course, uh, you guys as listeners, so feel free to hit us up in the chat room or call. Uh, obviously, the number to call in is 646-716-5564. Again, so six one, excuse me, 646 646- Seven one six five five six four. Today, uh, the baseball side on the board was announced for both leagues. Uh, also, we have the, the managers of the year, which is uh, less important to talk about, but the rookies of the year, which I think are, are more important. But today, Clayton Kershaw uh, took his second MVP, or excuse me, Cy Young. Huh? Maybe a little foreshadowing there. But uh, Cy Young Award home is, and, and Max Scherzer, the other guy, candidate, uh, another Detroit pitcher. Uh, dominating, uh, and what's interesting is Matt Scherzer, who won the Cy Young Award today, has already been rumored to be traded, so kind of interesting for Detroit in that regard, uh, Tarvin, but both those guys, I thought, were the guys who I picked uh, to be Cy Youngs uh, after the season was over, uh, but the real, I guess the real controversy, and this is where if you want to call on a hit us off, really was uh, the Rookie of the Year Award, and not for the American League, where the Tampa Bay uh, Will Myers won the award, but in the National League, where Fernandez beat Yasiel Puig, uh, and a lot of people were very upset with Puig not getting the award because they felt that he did more for his team in the Dodgers uh, after he came up uh, than a guy on Fernandez who posted great numbers but was on a very, very bad team. So, Tarvin, I'm just interested um, what you think about Yasiel Puig and whether or not he should have won the National League Rookie of the Year award. Well, there shouldn't even have been a vote on this. Puig 
is the the most outstanding player for rookies. He, he's probably one of the best in baseball. So this was a travesty, Trey. Him not getting rookie of the year. What he did was pick his team that was in last place to win their division. He saved his coach's job. He got them to the NLCS. I mean, what else can this kid do? I mean, what? I mean, this was a joke. I don't even know the guy that won it, Trey. Honestly, I, I have no idea what he did. I never watched the the Marlins on TV or whatever. They're never on. What did Puig, What do you think? Puig saved a manager's job. That ought to be good for something. Yeah, I mean that's the argument there. I mean, obviously what Fernandez did, putting up numbers, were, were pretty incredible for a rookie pitcher. But I, I think you know, I think there's an argument for both. I think obviously Yasiel Puig, you could, you could say, was instrumental in saving Mattingly's golf job. Uh, you could say he was instrumental in getting the Dodgers to the playoffs. I mean, look at the record before and after Puig came up from Double A. And you can you can see a difference in whether he was the catalyst for that or not. And you know, I think there's a good argument for it. But if you're talking about who had the biggest impact rookie wise to their team, I think it's pretty obvious. I think Myers for for uh, Tampa Bay was was a clear winner at, there. And I think you know, there's a good argument that Puig was the guy in the National League. Yeah, Puig is a, a game changer, guys. He's going to be around for years and years, and and he deserved it. I mean, he came out of nowhere. And he actually, you know, with all in L.A. trade, the media there and the market, the size market, and he he went above and beyond even when they started focusing in on him. He missed the all-star game. He got left off, and he still continued just to tear the cover off the ball. Man, I mean, this was a travesty. And baseball, and I think Colin Cowher talked about it, where where baseball really – they don't like Puig right now because he has he hasn't come in and earned what what everybody's giving him right now. They think they think you have to be around for ten years and and bow down to baseball before they can do anything. And I'm a hundred percent with him on that. I think he's a hundred percent right to say that for some reason there's a vendetta out there against Puig. And how long is it going to last, Trey? Well, I mean, I think if you come out whether there is or isn't, you know. Yeah, I think I think you know I heard, I heard some of Calvert's t- comments as well. There are definitely people who were upset about him, and he definitely ruffled a lot of feathers with the way he played the game. But you know, I, I think it's over. I mean, I, don't, I certainly don't think if he puts up you know MVP tech numbers, they're going to try to hold that against him. But remember, this is ultimately a baseball writers' award and not a players' award. So this is not like he ruffled the players' feathers. Um, this is a, the baseball yeah. writers of America and. You know whether he offended them or not. I mean, that, that'd be the. You know, I, I, didn't, I certainly didn't see a lot of baseball writers who didn't like Puig. He seemed very popular with the writers. That's kind of why I, was, well, I love. I, I love writers, it. Trey. I love writers. They never play the game. They don't know anything <laughs> about the game. But yet, yet, yet they're sitting in their mother's basement and they're writing articles and stats and giving awards. I mean, really, let's let people that actually play baseball vote on this. Well, I mean, you might get different results for sure. <laughs> Um, but, you know, you also might have Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, and we certainly couldn't have that, could we? Oh, yeah, we could. I could I could live with Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. But, Trey, what do you think about – now, this, this blew my mind. The Atlanta Braves, they're demolishing Turner Field in 2017. And in Cobb County, Georgia, I think, over here down the street from where I am, they're putting uh, a Braves stadium here. And the thing is, they're moving from downtown Atlanta – where the MARTA system transports people from the airport all the way through Atlanta. And, Trey, they're going over here down 285 interstate, and they're going to have a stadium. What's up with that? 
Well, yeah, I, I, I am of the people who were who did not see this coming. And I know there are people who thought, I guess, who knew about this. Uh, I, I was not one of them. So when I saw this tweet first come out, I was like, man, that is out of this world. I could not believe it. You know, I didn't even know that. Uh, uh, I didn't realize their lease was coming up. And then how quickly Atlanta was like, we're just going to demolish that stadium. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> the clue there was something building there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I – once the stats are coming out, apparently it's like the 25th oldest stadium now. I mean, the stadium has been around since the 90s, and it's already one of the oldest stadiums in baseball. So, you know, maybe this is one of those things to try to energize the fan base. I also saw an interesting graphic of, I guess, uh, ticket holders and people who buy season tickets and where they live. And apparently Cobb County is, the like, really a hotbed for Braves fans. So, again, they're trying to make it, I guess, you know, that 10 miles from, you know, where – uh, Turner Field is to where this new stadium is going to be. Apparently, is ten miles closer to their fan base. Yeah, but you have to drive, and and a lot of people get on Marta. They part way off, and they they come in and ride the train. And I mean, this is going to homeowners train in Cobb County now. Their taxes. Not only do they get their taxes raised, but now going home from work every day is going to take them an extra hour because of the traffic. I don't know if you've ever driven through Atlanta in rush hour like I have. But it's not fun. And now you're going to put a baseball game over here in Cobb County where all of the traffic is coming and going, Trey. This is going to be a disaster, man. I don't think attendance is going to go up because of this. I think attendance is going to go down. But, I mean, you live in Atlanta. You probably know where I'm at. I've always thought that driving through Atlanta in rush hour is kind of like driving the closest thing I can call the NASCAR. If, you know, of course, it's not stopped. <laughs> It's like everybody doing 90 miles an hour, but you're bumper-to-bumper drafting each other. Driving in Atlanta is a little crazy. And it can be like that. And it also can be you're you're sitting for about 30 minutes and you roll forward one inch. And road rage in Atlanta is very high. I have people that I – I live two minutes from where I work, Trey. I'm blessed right now until I get another house. But I have people that it takes them two hours to get to work every day, and they come in looking like they want to kill people. And now to see this news that now when they come home, they're going to have to deal with the Atlanta Braves traffic. I just don't get this. How does it work for for road teams, Trey? Like you're flying from San Francisco into Atlanta Airport. Now you're going to have to hop on a bus maybe and drive all the way to the stadium. It's just kind of – it's weird, isn't it? It just seems weird to me that they're treating it like a minor league baseball club. Well, I mean, I think the drive from the airport is, is, you know, and that's, you know, a lot of stadiums aren't very close to airports when it comes to that. I mean, but, I mean, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if if they've made their research, you know, um, a wise decision because, you know, I've, like I said, I saw those graphics and I saw some of what they were talking about when I guess they made this decision. But uh, you, you're, you're right, man. This will be interesting to see what plays out in attendance, if this really helps or if this hurts. Yeah, it reminds me of Bull Durham. Hopefully they'll have like a minor league atmosphere out there or something. But <laughs> I mean, they have a bull. <laughs> but but it's paid for, Trey. Atlanta doesn't – the Braves don't have to pay anything for this, really. It's paid for by the taxpayers. So they're going to be in their home field now. They don't, they're don't. they not renting. They're not leasing. They're not doing anything. They're, this is theirs. It's yeah. a 42,000 feet, uh, feet seat stadium. Uh, ten miles north of downtown, and it cost six hundred and seventy-two million dollars to build. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you need to win championships before you get new stadiums. The Turner Field. When did Turner Field come along, Trey? What year was it again? Was it nineteen ninety-six? Um, it was built for the Olympics. Okay, so it hasn't been around too long. 
But I like Turner Field. I love it. I think there's a lot around it to do. I like the downtown atmosphere. I like being from downtown where I live on the in the suburbs, really, to be able to go downtown and do the experience. I don't want it to come to me. So we'll see how it goes. I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction, trade that it's going to affect uh, the attendance in a negative way, but we'll see. But let's get on to the NFL talk. Are you ready? Let's do it, man. And there's, the NFL is crazy this weekend. Uh, there are so many games that I could have put at number one. I mean, I, I honestly think there are three completely legitimate number one games and, and several more that could have made the top five. So, Tarvin, I'll start us off with number five that I, I ended up deciding on, which is the Ravens, which are four and five. Uh, and they are, uh, let's just say, not a very good road team. Uh, they are, of course, uh, one and four on the road. They've been very good at home and three and one. Uh, and they're traveling to... Uh, the Bears, who are 5-4, and four, and, and now they're without Jay Cutler again. And I've heard people in Chicago say that's a good thing. I don't necessarily believe it myself, uh, but Chicago 3-2, and two, and they're uh, you know, coming off that loss to the Lions, Tarvin. Well, you know how I think about Baltimore, how I feel, Trey. They're very inconsistent. They look great Sunday, and then they almost let one slip away again, and they came back and got it. But Chicago being at home, I don't know. I, I just have to go with the Bears in this game, Trey. I, I think their defense is going to be able to hold Flacco in check. And like you said, Baltimore's terrible on the road. They got their win. Now it's time to be consistent again, Baltimore, and lose. They're showing consistent patterns. When they win one, they lose one. But one and four away, if, if, if only the Ravens could be the Eagles on the road, Trey, which they can't be. <laughs> I like the Bears. This is a very important game for them. Uh, they don't want to fall to 500 after this game. Yeah, and there are people who think that Josh McCown is is actually a little bit better uh, at quarterback, and I think maybe he is right now uh, because of Cutler's injuries. But you know, I, I've seen McCown play. He actually gets the ball to all, you know to Jeffries, who's having a really. If you're not, you know, if you don't know Jeffries is having a really good year, he is. Uh, he's also getting the ball to uh, Brandon Marshall, and so. I, for those reasons and the reasons that the Ravens just can't seem to get it together on the road. And, by the way, they can't seem to run the football at all. Ray Rice is having a terrible year, uh, and I don't think we've seen – put it this way, I don't think Ray Rice is ever going to be what he was in previous years. I think he's pretty much done as being a premier back in this league. Uh, and I think that uh, the Bears win this game because the Ravens really don't have an identity on offense right now. I'm just saying, Trey, through nine games, Ray Rice only has 289 yards on 115 carries and three touchdowns. Now, I just got him on my fantasy team. I acquired him uh, preseason. Trey, I thought he would have this in two games, these stats, not not nine. Not exactly. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who uh, I actually missed the fantasy football draft in one of my – in the league that I'm in at work, and uh, they actually drafted Ray Rice for me in the first round, and I almost flipped my my lid over it because I was like, there's no way I would have drafted him, especially because Jamal Charles was still out there. (laughs) Uh, but, you know, it's one of those, you know, leagues where you, you're not there, so you get who you get. But, um, you know, it's just that, you know, I, I had a thought that Ray Rice was done and, you know, putting up good, decent numbers, and it's really showed out this year. But we'll have to see if the Ravens can find an identity, but they haven't really found it on a, on the road at all this year. Well, the, the Chicago Bears at this moment, Trey, are three-point favorites at home. It started at four. It's dropped down to three. It looks like the money is going on Baltimore. But I like Chicago uh, to get the win. You like Chicago to get the win. So let's check the chat room and and see what what people are saying. Jason Humphrey in the chat room is picking Chicago 
Paul Ewing picking the Ravens, and Cuervo's going to pick the Bears. So, well, Paul Ewing's our only Ravens. Uh, Trey, is that a good or a bad thing? Well, you know, and one of the things that, uh, you know, Paul needs to do is obviously, Carver, he is our winner from last week. So, you know, Paul, you know, feel free to call in if you'd like to make those picks on air with us. You have the opportunity to help us co-host the show in this regard. So, got to give Paul the credit right now, Carvin. He is the the leader. Well, congratulations, Paul. Um, Enjoy it for one week because that's all that's going to happen. So, press number one. You're in the studio now. I see your number. Go ahead and press number one if you'd like to get on, or you can wait till the end and go over your games, whichever one you want to do. You're the champ. You decide. And trade number four game. I know it's not the best game out there, but it's a very intriguing game. The three and six Redskins on the road at five and five Eagles. And Trey, the Eagles have been very hot with Foles at quarterback, but the only problem is you would think being at home, that's a good thing, but not for the Eagles. They haven't won a game at home in a long time. <laughs> yeah, they're 0-4 they're, uh, they're at home, and uh, the Redskins were 1-4 on the road. Uh, the Redskins haven't won a game in the division. They're 0-2, and the Eagles are already played four, and they're, they're 500. So there's really not a stat you can look at when it comes down to home and a road and you know the splits when it comes to that kind of stuff for these two teams. With where they're playing, now, I'll tell you, Tarvin. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Eagles, not because they play well at home. I think they, but you know, Nick Foles has just been something special for them. And you know, I just like a hot hand, and I don't think that RG3 is a hot hand right now. I think it's Nick Foles. Well, well, Cuervo in the chat room, he picked the Eagles to win this division. Right now, they're tied for first. Trey, I remember a few weeks ago we were all making fun of him uh, yeah. for his pick, but but now he's looking like a genius. The Eagles are in first place in the East, and that's not a, a mistake here, the Eagles. And I'm going to go with you, Trey. I think they get their first home win. The season ticket holders are about ready to kill the Eagles because they have to go freeze to death to watch their Eagles play, and they get beat, and they go watch TV the next weekend, and they win. So they're coming back for game 11 here, Trey. So 0-4 home, game 5 at home. I think the Eagles finally get one at home. They go 6-5, and five and they take the lead in this division. Yeah, and I just do want to mention one thing, and not hate to go back on the show, but Paul brought up a good kind of thing in the chat room that I actually meant to bring out, which was on the Braves Stadium. They said that there was two hundred million dollars in renovations that were needed for uh, for Turner Field, and that was one of the reasons why they were leaving. So I forgot to mention that, Tarvin. But I'll move us on to our number three game, uh, and this is where I, I think it, you know if you want to argue with me on how I stack and rack and stack these, you can. But uh, all three of these games, I think, are going to be premier games for the NFL this week. I have the seven and two Patriots at the six and three Panthers, who just came off a very important win for their uh, you know, franchise, beating you know the Forty ers Tarvin. So now, does it get any easier as Tom Brady and the New England Patriots come to town? Well, this is my Sunday lock in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers back at home after going on the road. It seems like they've been on the road a lot this season, but how important was going on the road to San Fran, playing a defense like that? Trey, being back at home, they're not going to play a defense like that in the Patriots. The Patriots are going to give up yards. I think Cam Newton will be able to exploit New England, not only in the air, but on the ground. But I think the Carolina defense is why we look at this game, and I favor the Panthers because I think they can – they can hold Brady down. They're, they're getting pressure, and they're getting a lot of pressure on these quarterbacks. That defense, they're not missing tackles. Luke Keekley is just everywhere on that defense, Trey. The reason the Carolina wins, the defense stands up. But I think Cam has a good game. He, he held himself back last week. San Francisco's defense wouldn't allow him to do much. So I think now, being back at home, a night game, he's going to show out. 
Well, you know, I, I'm not I'm not so sold on him showing out. I would say I think he we will have a decent game in this in this uh, this week. I mean, I don't think he's going to put up 400 yards or anything like that. But uh, I think what we're going to see in this game is, is sort of an exposure of New England. And New England is five and out at home. They played great. They're 500 on the road. Uh, they've been undefeated against the NFC so far, and, of course, they're playing the Carolina Panthers division uh, in the NFC. But, you know, here's the thing about the this England Patriots team to me, Tarvin, that I've seen, and I, I just, I've seen a lot of weaknesses, and I've seen a lot of close games where, you know, they've just gotten lucky, I thought, uh, with how they played, and been, they haven't played the toughest schedule. I think Carolina's a pretty tough team at home at 3-1. and one. They've won five in a row. They're hot. That defense is really, really good. I think they're going to find a way to bottle Tom Brady up and force him into turnovers. I'm not convinced that the Patriots are going to be able to run the football against the Panthers. So I think I'm going to go with the Panthers, Tarvin. I think it'll be closer. I think about, but I think it's going to be a little bit more. Um, I think I think Carolina maybe pulls away late in the fourth quarter and wins by about ten. Wow, you picked Cam Newton on the same day I did, Trey. But let's look. The Patriots are seven and two, but they they're two and two on the road. But their losses away from home. Panthers three and one at home. Let's look at some passing stats real quick. Brady, 194, 340 for 22, 56, and three touchdowns. Cam, 170 of 271, 1970, and 13 touchdowns. Those those stats are not far off, Trey. Um, just looking at it, the number of attempts, I think Cam Newton's having a better year than Tom Brady. And that's not saying much considering all of his weapons are hurt or in jail, right? Well, yeah, Tom Brady's having a bad year. I mean, for Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady, if you look at his, like, for instance, his fantasy numbers, you know, he's down where Colin Kaepernick is right now, and he's not exactly lighting it up. Um, he's got a couple of good games. But Brady, this is not the kind of season that Brady you expect, but he is, you know, 36 years old. Uh, he's still producing at a pretty good level. So, um, you know, the Patriots are still going to make the playoffs, Tarvin. They're not in jeopardy of going down that road. But I just think they're going to struggle against a really good defense. I don't think they have the weapons on offense to – sort of match up with, you know, that defense right now. I think Brady's going to have to be on his back a little bit in this game. Well, how important is this game? Who's it more important for? Carolina at home could go 7-3 and three and, and keep up with the Saints or the Patriots. I mean, if they lose their 7-3, and three, I think this is more of an important game for the Panthers for confidence to show, and, and not only to the country, but to themselves that they're, they're a contender. Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. I mean, New England still is going to be in the a big driver's seat in their division. They're three and one in their own division. So, you know, this is a big game for the Panthers. I and mean, if, the, if the Patriots lose on the road, I mean, like I said, you know, playoff teams, you know, they go either undefeated or they win or they lose maybe one game at home, and then they they go 500 on the road. Uh, and if the Patriots do that, and they're solidly in the playoffs, and maybe even with a bye, I mean, that they could be that good. Uh, I mean, since right now they're undefeated at home, and so. You know, it's okay to slip up on the road, but, you know, for the Panthers, one of the things you have to do is you have to be really good at home. And if they lose another home game, I mean, that does that's a bad thing for your confidence. Yeah, definitely. And everybody in the chat room agrees with us on that one, Trey. And the next two are, are phenomenal games, our number two game. The 49ers coming off a tough home loss where they didn't score a touchdown, 6-3 and three at the New Orleans Saints, 7-2. and two. I picked against the Saints against the Cowboys in New Orleans, Trey. I must have been insane last week when I did that. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to go against Drew Brees at home anymore. The defense looks very good. The offense can move the ball at will. The Niners have a great defense, Trey, but I am concerned about their offense on the road. Colin Kaepernick shows to me that he has – a zero chance to win this game and outduel Drew Brees. I mean, if you, if you can't win at home against the Panthers, you're not going to go on the road 
and beat the Saints, Trey. Am I, is that a far stretch? Because I think the Saints could blow this game open. Well, I mean, you know, you bring up some good points. I mean, the Saints are, of course, undefeated. They, they are just a different team when they're under the dome. I mean, this is one of those places that, for some reason, mystifies other teams. I mean, the, the, excuse me, the Saints have always been sort of weirdly good at home, even when they were kind of bad. That was the one chance they had to beat people. Uh, within the dome, and now since they're a really good football team, they've been really, really good in the dome. Uh, but I'll tell you, Fairbairn, there's something about this game, and, and I, I've gone back and forth. The 49ers have actually played better on the road this year. Um, this is one of those weird weird things. that They've looked worse at home. Their offenses look worse at home. But on the road, it's one of those things that Kaepernick has looked better uh, for whatever reason. And, and I think Kaepernick in the dome is going to be faster than he is at home and that Frisco sort of sod. So I'm going to pick the upset in this game. For something, there's something about this game that tells me that Kaepernick is going to have a good, a good game. Uh, this game's going to be real close, I think. But I, I think it tells me that in the fourth quarter, Kaepernick's going to win this game. Well, Trey, you bring up some great points there about the speed, being on that turf, like the, and, and it could benefit Kaepernick. And the Saints, even though they've shown their defense has improved, if Colin Kaepernick has a good game, and I believe he's getting some weapons back. Am I am I correct on that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Vernon Davis could right. come back. He's questionable. Um, who else is coming back? I think didn't Manningham make his debut last week, or, or I could be wrong on that. But. I'm trying to think. There's some. There's a couple coming back. But So you're picking the Niners. I'm picking the Saints. Jason Humphrey's picking the Saints. Cuervo's picking the Saints. And I don't see Paul picking anything. So, Paul, you're the champion so far this week, and you're you're dropping the ball here. Uh, so we'll come back to Paul's later, Trey. So you take us to the number one game here and uh, do the honors here. Yeah, well, maybe I'm on my own island tonight with the 49ers pick. But I don't know. I mean, that, can be, that, that could be a blowout for the Saints for sure. They've been really good at home. But the number one game I, I think is pretty much a lock for number one. You have the undefeated Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who have their wide receiver in a little bit of trouble after being arrested for some marijuana charges, uh, on the road against the the Peyton Mannings, you know, the Denver Broncos, who are eight and one. I think this game is a Sunday night game, so it's going to be. Uh, I was going to say it's going to be insane. I mean, it's going this game is going to get a lot of hype. Everybody's already talking about it. Uh, you know, the Chiefs are the last unbeaten team in the league, Darvin. Well, I mean, look, you're, you're undefeated, and you're, you got players going off doing stupid things. That bothers me a little bit. That, I mean, it, it, one, it makes me wonder how dedicated this guy is to football. But Denver takes this game. You know, out of all the games you pick, Trey, this is the blowout, number one. I think the Broncos at home are going to try to prove they are the best team in that division, not only that, but also football. They're 8-1, and one, the Chiefs 9-0. and oh. It's in Denver, a night game. Peyton Manning is going to carve this defense up. I think it, I don't even think it will be close to halftime, Trey. I think the Denver will be up by 10 to 14 at halftime, and they'll pull away by three or four touchdowns by the end of the game. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those games where I, I think you're going to – this is where, where I think Alex Smith and that Kansas City offense is going to struggle because if Denver does get up, I mean, Alex Smith is the type of quarterback who can make a fourth quarter drive. I mean, He's the kind of guy who does very well when, you know, it's a, you know, sort of a, you know, you get three, four yards here, you take you take the dump off if you can, and that's great if you're actually with the lead or if you're playing in a very close game. But if you get down and he has to start throwing the football maybe 30 or times or so, is that really Alex Smith and is that really the Kansas City uh, wide receiver's strength? And I don't think it is, Tarvin. 
so I, I agree with you. I think Denver wins this game. I think if, if they get up early, I think Kansas City may really struggle. Yeah, you made great points there, especially coming from behind. So if you're Kansas City on the road, you want some eight- and nine-minute possessions, Trey. You want scoring touchdown drives, but you want to eat that clock up to keep Peyton Manning off the field at home. But Peyton Manning's also seemed a little skittish lately, Trey. I mean, maybe Kansas City puts some pressure, maybe gets a couple of penalties for some late hits to try to rattle Peyton Manning and get in his head, but he's not 100% healthy right now. So Peyton Manning yeah. takes a shot. It could rattle him early, and the Chiefs could have a chance. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the key to the game is going to be to put Peyton on his back to maybe force him to turn over early in the game and rattle him. And really, I think if you see Jamal Charles with, say, 120, 130, 140 yards or so above that, then I think you're going to be okay if you're Kansas City. But if you get behind and you've got to start passing more than running, and you know, your offense really is, is a very good offense and it's centered around Jamal Charles, uh, that's where they're going to play away, play into the Denver strength in their defense, which is you know letting their their linebackers come after the quarterback, uh, and you know, you know set up interceptions. So we'll, we'll have to see which strength wins out in this game. But I think Denver, I think Denver gets up a little early and they win out. Yep, uh, Jason Humphrey's picking Denver. Cuervo's picking Denver. Paul Ewing must have gone to the bathroom or something, Trey. I don't know, but he's still in there, but he's silent. So that's our five games. And what a what a week of football, Trey. I, I hope all of the games are entertaining on Sunday, and I'm really hoping Saturday is even more entertaining. We have college football coming up, Trey, and and this is kind of a week where a lot of teams are playing teams they should be. You know, like so. Tell us the probability of a big team going down, and it could be our number one game, and we'll get to it. But Alabama at Mississippi State, Trey. I mean, something anything could happen in college football, couldn't it? Well, I mean, if this is the exact week last year, if I'm not mistaken, if I have I had my weeks up correctly, that both number one and number two went down, you know, in the exact same week. So you had Oregon and Kansas State both losing, uh, which was, let's be honest, I mean, some, Stanford was given some shot. I, mean, I think they were a 13-point underdog or something like that. And, of course, Kansas State was, was not expected to lose to Baylor like, by 100 points, whatever they lost to. Uh you know, so can anything happen? Absolutely. And we saw two big upsets last year in this time. So, you know, can Florida State with, you know, the side distractions lose to Syracuse? Yeah, why not? You know, can Mississippi State, who's, who's pretty pretty a bad football team, can they, you know, somehow with Zach Prescott hurt, maybe playing, I don't know, somehow find a way against Alabama? Maybe, I don't know. Um, you know, can Baylor stumble? Absolutely. This could be a Baylor loss this week. I and mean, I think that's the team – that if one of the top undefeateds are going to lose, and that's the one I had my eye on right now, Tarvin, is Baylor. Yeah, well, I mean, anything can happen. And this is why college football is so great, Trey, because it's not the games, like I said when we first came on the show, that everybody's circling and looking at. Teams take those, they look at those games and take them serious because everybody tells them to, and they tell them they're on upset alert. It's games like this weekend where, you know, you're looking ahead maybe to your rival, are you, you're like an Auburn right now. You're not. You're nine and one, and you're thinking, "Oh my God, we're not even supposed to be here." The Iron Bowl's two weeks away, but you have Georgia this week. I think we're going to have a shakeup this week in a little bit. I don't know if number one's going down or not, but in the next couple of weeks, stay tuned with us. We're going to have some chaos in this BCS, and it, it could start this week. It couldn't, but Trey, we're going to find out from our chat room, from the callers, the number six four six seven one six five five six four if they have any upsets this week. And the number 10 game of the week, 
already could be a first upset. The 23rd-ranked Miami Hurricanes, they dropped two in a row on the road at a 7-2 and two Duke team, Trey. This is not basketball. I said this is all Duke 7-2 and two right now. Miami's on the road, Trey. What happens in this one? Can Duke win this game and take a step closer to playing in the ACC championship game? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Duke is, is not not a bad football team. And if you if you watch Duke over the last couple of years, they've kept getting better and better. And they're actually really well coached. I mean, they have two losses this year. Uh, the only loss they really weren't in the game was the loss against Georgia Tech. And, you know, that's just one of those teams that sometimes can get you because of their weird rushing attack. But they lost to Pitt by three. I mean, that's it. I mean, they beat, you know, you know, some obviously some teams they should have beat early in the year, uh, but you know that, those are games they usually lose. You know, even to Navy. They, I mean, Navy's a team that they couldn't beat in the years past. So, you know, this is a team, Tarvin, that you know beat Virginia Tech. I mean, so when you think about it, you know, you think about the ACC, and you know, Virginia Tech was supposed to be really, you know, really good after Alabama, you know, loss. Well, they stumbled against Duke too. So I look at this game as being uh, a really good trap game for Miami. Coming off two losses, are they ready to throw the towel in? Are they going to you know rally around their season and try to you know fight their way back, and try to get to the ACC championship game with some help, or are they just now you know giving sort of up after getting blasted two straight weeks? So you know I look at this game, Tarvin, and I think Duke has a big shot. Yeah, and, you know, this is like on ESPN, they say Will of Destiny with ACC. Which team, I think Miami wants to lose on purpose this game to make sure they're out so they don't have to play Florida State again. Duke Johnson's out. I just don't think they go on the road. And this is not an early morning game. It's 3.30 Eastern game. Duke's a better team. They're smart. They don't make stupid penalties. They don't have the athletes Miami has, but Miami seems to be in some trouble right now. I think they're a, they were a joke being in the top ten. I think now they were a joke being in the top 20 before. Now they're 23rd, Trey. I think Duke takes care of business at home and pulls the upset. I mean, this is a lot of people are picking Miami to bounce back, not losing three in a row. But, Trey, I'm going against that. I think they lose three in a row, and Duke's going to play in that ACC championship game possibly. Well, let me tell you, you're not alone. In the chat room, both Paul and Jason are picking Duke as well. Cuervo says, yes, Duke. Uh, so, uh, Tarvin, a lot of Duke love going on right now in the chat room. So here's what I'm going to do, Tarvin. I'm going to not so fast all four of you. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, you, you know, obviously Virginia Tech, excuse me, obviously the Virginia Tech game and the Florida State game were terrible for Miami. But I think when it comes down to it, uh, I think Miami uh, has still – I think Al Golden is the kind of coach who's not going to let them give up their season. I mean, they have Duke, UVA, and Pitt. They can win all three of those games. I think they rally. I think this is a very close game. But I do think that Miami finds a way in the fourth quarter uh, to win this game and save their season to a, to a certain extent. Uh, but I'll tell you, too, at the same point, I wouldn't be surprised if Duke wins this game. I mean, the ACC Coastal Division is a mess. So we'll have to see. But I'm picking Miami just because of talent alone. But I think maybe well, Trey, it's a better coach I, I, team. I, yeah, I wouldn't feel confident picking either one of them, honestly. That's how this ACC division is. And it's just hard to pick. So that's probably going to be my first loss. I hope I can pull that one out. But then you stay in the ACC again on number nine. You're trying to kill my record here. Georgia Tech, <laughs> six, six and three tomorrow night on the road. 
at number eight, Clemson. And Clemson knows, Trey, they can't play for the ACC championship. Florida State's not going to lose two more ACC games. So, so right there. But they have a lot to look forward to. If they went out, they could play in a BCS bowl game in the Orange Bowl. And people are already projecting that it possibly could be Oregon and Clemson. What a matchup that would be. But oh, I think yeah. Clemson has a very, very good football team, Trey. They, I think they're finally getting over that Florida State loss and buying in with Dabo. They've won two road games in a row. They're blowing people out. Georgia Tech usually has their number. But I, I look for Taj Boyd to rally this team on Thursday night. I think they blow out Georgia Tech. I just don't think Georgia Tech has a defense good enough to stop Clemson over one time. You may see the punter one time in this game, but Clemson rolls big tomorrow night. I think they're buying into Dabo telling them there's still a lot of season left. They can still have a great season. If they go 11-1 and and win a BCS bowl game and end 12-1, and that's a phenomenal season. I don't care where you play. Yeah, I mean, you brought up some really good points. And, yeah, the projection of them and Oregon playing together, I mean, that, to be honest, like made me giddy when I saw that for the first time. I was like, man, that would be a good game. I think I was yeah. one of those ones that I'm sure I was going to watch just because, I mean, those two teams, um, to me, are, are teams that I like I like to see with the way they match up. Uh, you're talking about Georgia Tech and having Clemson's number. I mean, last year it was a close game. It was a 47-31 game. I mean, this is coming off, you know, that Georgia Tech offense does seem to give Dabo a little bit of fit. He doesn't seem to be able to hold them down. I, I think it's going to be very similar to last year, Tarvin. I think you're talking about a 40-45-35 type of game. I think when Dabo gets out of it again, it's a 10.5-point spread. I think it's about right, Tarvin. It's going to be it's going to be maybe a little closer than that. It could be, but I think Clemson wins it. Yeah, I mean, everybody in the chat room is picking Clemson. Nobody's jumping on the Yellow Jackets bandwagon. If this was at Georgia Tech, oh yeah, <laughs> I could change. I could change. I could change my pick on this one. But Clemson will take care of business, and and I think they'll move up in the BCS rankings if they do. Probably, I don't know where they'll move, but we'll see. But number eight game, Trey. An exciting game in the Pac-12. The Washington Huskies six and three traveled to number thirteen UCLA seven and two. And am I crazy to believe that I still think Washington is better than UCLA, Trey? Well, you know, I thought that for a long time. But after watching some of Washington play, you know, obviously, you know, Price is a really good player. And I think Washington, you know, with Sankey and Price, they have a really good offense. But you know, I just think UCLA has kind of figured it out at this point. I think Hunley's playing much better. I think UCLA wins this game, but I think this could be a really fun one. This could be a shootout. Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington in this game, Trey. Call me crazy. On the road, I think they go in Friday night. Remember, this is a Friday night game. It's not Saturday. And I I just think Washington gets it done. I I think UCLA's a good football team. I think Washington's a good football team. So get your coin out. Flip it. I like Washington and what they're doing. I think they're going to try to build some momentum into the end of the season. They're going to get some great a great recruiting class and come back next year and try to win this Pac-12. I think that could be the year Washington makes a, a statement. So I'm going to pick Washington to pull the upset in the chat room. Everybody's against me. Cuervo's picking UCLA. Jason Humphrey's picking UCLA as well, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I, I think UCLA wins it. But I, think, I think you're right. I mean, I think Washington's a good football team, and they're going to – they're going to be tough for somebody in a bowl game if they have the end of the season with four losses or even more. So I think they're good. They're much better. Um, I think people give them credit for. But Carvin, number seven, and maybe maybe you'll tell me I have this too highly ranked. Maybe I do. But number one, Alabama at nine and zero. They're on the road in Starksville, Mississippi. 
who Nick Saban called the best four and five team in college football, which I don't even know what that means, Tarvin. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, like saying you're the 85th best team in college football. I don't, I don't know. Um, but there it is, Tarvin. Our, you know, impress, Zach Prescott may or may not play, and you know, my heart goes out to him and what he's been playing through. But, uh, Tarvin, what do you think about Mississippi State's chances in this football game? Well, Trey, I think you had this game right. I mean, anytime the number one team goes on the road in conference, a night game, and Mississippi State is a capable team. They they have played bad at times. They've played good at times. But in the SEC, to me, a couple of plays can can they could be six and three right now or four and five. They they should have beaten Auburn. In Auburn, they I mean they they played bad against Oklahoma State. So if you start looking at their losses, you can see they played a tough schedule, but. I don't think they can beat Alabama, and it's it's not because of, of Alabama just being number one. It's because of the defense of Alabama. I don't see Mississippi State being able to vertically throw the ball down the field, and, and they, they try to do everything around the line of scrimmage, which is exactly what Alabama wants you to do. You're not going to beat them playing this side-to-side game like Mississippi State tries to do. I just think Alabama wins this game. And I think coming off a, a game against LSU last year, they're going to learn from that. Do you remember last year when they played LSU and they turned around and lost to A&M? Well, I think yeah. Nick Saban's going to remind them of this. And I think Alabama goes in, goes into Starville and Rolls. I think this is a blowout. I mean, here's the thing about Mississippi State. Yeah, I, and I'll tell you, you know, you know newsflash, I don't think this is going to be a close game because I don't think – Mississippi State is a good team, and I, I think that you what you see in Mississippi State is what you saw last year. They rolled every sort of B and C level team they played, and they lost every team that was anywhere near good. I mean, that's what and that's exactly what Mississippi State has done this year. You know, they they lost Oklahoma State, they beat Alcorn State, they lost to Auburn, they beat, they beat Troy. You know, they lost to LSU, they beat Bowling Green, they beat Kentucky by six, who's the worst team in the SEC. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to A&M. They're going to lose to Alabama. They may have a shot against Arkansas. And then they'll lose to Ole Miss. And that's just the way Mississippi State is right now. Uh, so I just think this is not going to be a competitive football game. I don't know what the point spread is, Tarvin, but they're going to cover. I think it's about 25. And and I just don't see them being able to score, Trey, and that's it. They're going to come out early in that first quarter. It's going to be 3 to nothing Mississippi State after the first quarter, and everybody's going to get excited. And then the – uh, Alabama blows the doors off. But, I mean, anytime you go on the road, things can happen. What if A.J. gets hurt, Trey, early in the game and they got some momentum and now they throw a backup in there? Anything can happen. That's why we play these games. That's why ESPN yeah. wants to televise it. That's why they want to televise it and hopefully, you know, Alabama loses in their mind and they have a lot of ratings. But I'm not picking it. I can't pick that. The number six game, Trey, Texas Tech, their three-game losing streak going on the road at number five, Baylor. Wow. I mean, the problem I see in this one is Kingsbury's a rookie coach. He started out 7-0, and Trey, and then they lost to Oklahoma by eight. They lost to Oklahoma State by 18, and then they get – well, they lose by 13 – or, no, 23 to Kansas State. How did they lose by 23 at home to Kansas State? I'll never know, but – being a rookie coach, I just don't think he can. Re, you know, I don't think he can rally the troops. They play Baylor and then they go to Texas. I think they're going to end the season with a five-game losing streak. Trey, I don't think Texas Tech has what it takes to stop Baylor. They're going to give up seventy points in this game. Yeah, I mean their their defense, uh, Tarvin, sure as gold, has been bad. Uh, even and you started seeing signs of this uh, at the Iowa State game, which was a 
uh, October 12th game when they gave up 35 to Iowa State and they won, you know, by seven points. I and mean, you saw it again at West Virginia where they won by 10. Uh, they gave up 27. And then, of course, after that, it started, the wheels came off. Uh, I put this on this title list because this is one of those um, Baylor coming off that Thursday night game, you know, that high of being nationally televised. Uh, Bryce Petty being, you know, the new sort of Heisman guy who everybody's talking about as, you know, the number three guy down at Mariota has sort of fallen off the planet. But, uh, you know, there's a chance that Baylor's not focused. You know, this is what happened to Kansas State last year at this point, Tarvin, is they got all that national exposure, and then they went on the road and they couldn't handle it. But this is a little different. Baylor's at home. And I think uh, in this case, they're playing, unfortunately, or fortunately for them, a Texas Tech team who just isn't ready to pull off this kind of upset. I'm going to pick Baylor, Tarvin, but yeah, this is one of those crazy games that you never know because of how it's scheduled, but you got to like the fact that Baylor had an extra couple days after the Thursday night game or, you know, to, to break down the film and get, get a little extra start on Texas Tech. Yeah, I feel bad for Texas Tech. Starting 7-0, everybody had them hyped up in the top 10, and we both talked about it. They weren't a, they weren't a top 10 team, right, Trey? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right, well, the number five game, Looks like a good one. I mean, Oregon State six and three coming off that thrashing against Southern California, they got beat bad at home. Going on the road to number nineteen Arizona State. Trey, I don't think it gets easier for Oregon State. Now they have to go to Arizona State. I, I like Arizona State big in this game. I don't think their defense is going to be able to stop Arizona State's offense, and Arizona State's defense tends to play better at home. So it's just a bad formula for Oregon State. They're going to lose their fourth game. Yeah, and this is interesting for me because you're right. I mean, Oregon State is playing pretty bad. I mean, they played Stanford really tough, uh, and then unfortunately in Corvallis they did not play very well against USC, who seems to be playing better uh, under Orgeron. But, you know, this is where Arizona State this past week, Tarvin, and you got to remember um, Oregon State's coming off a bye. I mean, they're coming off a week off to prepare for Arizona State. And, you know, that, that's a good thing for them, They having a chance to sort of recharge their batteries. And you have Arizona State, who looked great at times. I mean, they had, you know, beat Washington. They really blew them out. And they blew out Colorado, blew out Washington State. Um, this is all after their, you know, that loss to Notre Dame. And then they slip up against Utah and only win by one. And I know, you know, crazy things have happened in Utah this year with Stanford losing, but that, that kind of made me kind of scratch my head. But, I'm going to pick Arizona State as well. Uh, but, you know, with the bye week, Tarvin, and Arizona, or, excuse me, Oregon State, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State pulls the uh, pulls the, the upset here. I think Jason Humphrey, our Pac-12 guy, is taking it, Tarvin. So, who knows? Well, well, Trey, the next game is is a big game. And, and I know it has Nebraska 7-2, Michigan State 16th ranked 8-1, but, how important is this game to Ohio State, really? I mean, all of a sudden, everybody's riding off Ohio State because they don't play anybody. But all of a sudden, this Big Ten championship game could get very interesting if Michigan State wins out. So how important, first of all, is this game to Ohio State? Who are they pulling for? Well, I think you're right. I think they have to be pulling for Michigan State because you want to play uh, a ranked team, I mean, because let's, let's, let's be honest, I mean, Ohio State right now uh, has played and, and beaten one team that is still ranked, and that's Wisconsin. Um, and so they need somebody to sort of step up and be the, a decent opponent in, in that championship game to give them some sort of national exposure, because if not, I mean, who's going to be, you know, nobody wants to watch 
some three or four loss team in like the Big Ten championship uh, or you know like they did last year, Tarvin. I mean, where you know wouldn't Wisconsin win it with five losses or something like that? I mean, that's not the kind of stuff that um, that they need, you know, for their conference and to give them some sort of credibility. I mean, they need. Um, this Michigan State team to win at Nebraska and then go on the road and win at Northwestern and then end the season with a win at, a win against uh, Minnesota. And, but all three of those games are actually losable for Michigan State. So, so this is where the Big Ten needs uh, Michigan State to sort of run out, run the table and make an interesting game for Ohio State. Well, Trey, I, I mean, I want to. Nebraska is bad, in my opinion, but something about this game makes me want to pick them. I mean. They, they're hot right now. They're pulling out ways. They're pulling out wins out of nowhere. They went on the road and beat Michigan last week, which Michigan's terrible too. But the, the way they beat Northwestern, Trey, are you going to pull the upset in this game? I know you went to school at Michigan State, but Lincoln. I mean, there's something going on in Lincoln, Nebraska. Pelini's got their attention, and they're actually winning football games, seven and two. Can they? They're six point underdogs. Are you going to pull the trigger and pull the upset? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, I was, I'm close. Because uh, I think Nebraska, there, you know, ever since that Hail Mary, there's something weird going on in Nebraska. They seem to be sort of figuring things out ever since, you know, the great Hail Mary. And they go on the road and win Ann Arbor, which kind of shocked me. Um, played pretty good defense. I know Michigan's not a very good football team right now, but they still won at the big house. And uh, But to me, with Michigan State having the week off, uh, coming off a of bye week, uh, and Nebraska, I mean, coming off uh, that emotional win against Northwestern and then traveling on the road to Michigan. I just think Michigan State is going to be a little more prepared in this football game. And I give them – it's going to be – I think this is going to be a razor-thin game, though. This is going to be a fun one to watch as well. And that's why there's a lot of fun football games to watch this weekend. But I give Michigan State the edge because I think, you know, with a backup quarterback playing at Nebraska, I think Michigan State's defense is going to shut them down. Hey, Tarvin, are you there? Trace? Yep, you there, buddy? Trey. Okay, sorry, I got cut off. I had to call back in. But I'm going to go with Michigan State as well. I, I mean, it's your right to buy a week. And the defense of Michigan State is what's going to be the difference. I just think Nebraska is going to struggle to just find a way to score points against this defense. And I think Michigan State can run the football. So, it's going to be a close game. I think Michigan State escapes with a field goal, Trey, and ends that Nebraska streak. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Tarvin. So and that brings us to number three. Tell me, you may, you know, for those of you listening at home and if you haven't listened to our show, I picked these games. Tarvin doesn't have anything to do with it. And I'm the one that picked uh, the college game day game all the way down to number three. Uh, number four, Stanford, eight and one, traveling on the road to USC, who is surprisingly playing better at seven and three, Tarvin. Am I a, Am I off the mark on having this game lowest as low as three? No, I mean it's a it's a number three game. It's a great matchup. I wouldn't have minded if you put it two. You know, it's it's a big game, and you know, before the season started, I picked Stanford to lose three ball games, and this is going to have to be number two, I think. You know, looking at it, they're coming off an emotional win against Oregon. Southern Cal's playing with no pressure at all. They're playing for fun. They're playing with no pressure, man. And it's it's weird when you see teams play like that when it's just like with house money. And Stanford's going to, to the Coliseum. Game day's going to be there, a night game. Man, I'm, I'm going to go with Southern Cal in this game, Trey. I mean, I know I picked against Stanford three or four times this year, and I really believe they were going to lose all of those times. So this one's no different. I'm going with Southern Cal at home to take care of business. 
Well, I mean, you brought up a good point with USC playing, you know, sort of carefree football uh, under, you know, old Eddie boy, and they've only lost one game, I think, since he's been the head coach there. And, you know, they've, they've uh, played much better. I mean, you can't you can't say that there hasn't been a difference in their offense. I mean, you know, scoring 62 points was something that, you know, they certainly didn't do prior to uh, to Ed taking over this football team. But, you know, Tom, I'm going to go against you, but I'll be honest, I would not be surprised if USC wins this game because I think they're playing sort of loose football, and that's dangerous when you have a team like Stanford who has a lot of pressure now because they're, you know, right now being labeled the best number one or best one-loss team in college football, and they're saying that, hey, you know, because of the, the tough schedule they've played, they may even, if, you know, if some things happen in front of them, that they could be slipping into that national championship game with uh, one loss, even possibly over a Baylor team who runs runs undefeated. So uh, I think that's a lot of pressure for Stanford, and that's why one of the, this game could go down as an upset. But I think the fact that game day brought some attention to this game sort of helped Stanford focus. Uh, and I, I think Stanford wins the game because they're a better football team. Well, everybody out there listening that, that thinks Stanford's the best one-loss team out there, remember they lost to Utah. And if you look at the resume of the other top teams, they haven't lost to unranked teams like this. Oregon lost to Stanford, which was ranked. And I, I just I just can't give it to them, Trey. I couldn't put them over a Baylor team if they ran the table. I couldn't put them over an Ohio State team if they go undefeated again. So I think Stanford's going to start losing some ground. But, but, I mean, especially if they lose, they will. But guess what? Oregon's all of a sudden the Pac-12 favorite again if Stanford stumbles. So this is a big game in the Pac-12, and I think a lot of eyes will be on it. College game day, that's a great game for them to be there. So let's see, Cuervo's picking Stanford to win. Jason Humphrey is with me. I don't know if that's his brain telling him that or his heart wanting him wanting Stanford to lose. But, but Trey, this is going to be a good one. No, absolutely. And that obviously takes us to number two, and there are only two games part of them have ranked opponents facing each other, and this is the weaker of the two, I thought, uh, which is why I ranked it as number two. So if you're wondering at home how um, how I started these things, that's how I, I did it. Um, you know, looking at this is a, a Big 12. This is where the Big 12, they sort of, I guess, waited to the end of the year to have all the interesting matchups because they're now starting um, to get a little interesting and a little tougher for these schools. You have number 12, Oklahoma State, who is 8-1 uh, after their big slip-up earlier in the year. And they're traveling on the road to Texas, who's now ranked at number 24, Tarvin, and is at 7-2, but Texas hasn't yet to lose in the Big 12. Uh, what do you think with Texas at home? And, you know, Mac Brown seems to be playing for his job every week. Well, I think Oklahoma State will go in and take care of business. Now Texas is ranked again. They're a target again, and I think Oklahoma State's playing some good football. Remember, they lost to West Virginia, Trey, and I think it got their attention. Oklahoma State's playing some good football now. I mean, number 12 in the country. This could be to get them in the number 10 spot if they can pull a win off on the road, and I think they do. I think their offense is very explosive. I look for some turnovers this game out of Texas, Trey. I just don't think they can they can beat Oklahoma State this weekend. You know, I agree with you. Uh, I was looking at this game, and I, I was pretty confident in my Texas uh, loss pick. Uh, and then I started looking at the schedule. And, you know, the, the thing that bothers me about Oklahoma State right now is and they've been playing, I think, better football each week. If you look at, you know, their performance from West Virginia on, I think each week they've gotten better. Uh, but they have Baylor next week, Carbon after this. And, and my concern is, is that Oklahoma State um, looks towards Baylor as being a bigger matchup. So, you know, I think this game's going to be close, but I think Oklahoma State's a more talented football team. But, you know, this being in Texas, 
I could, you know, this this could be a Texas win too. So, and I flipped a coin on this one, Tarvin, and I went with Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State was my first pick. And you know, you, you think wrong, you think wrong. So I'm going Oklahoma State. All right, Oklahoma State for both of us here. Let's look at the uh, Cuervo's picking Oklahoma State. Jason Humphrey is picking Texas, and uh, he's the only one picking Texas here. It wouldn't surprise me if Texas won. They're at home, and they do have some momentum. But at the end of the day, I think Texas is going to lose. But how how interesting could that Baylor-Texas game be at the end of the season? Texas could have something to say about Baylor going undefeated. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about Baylor, Tarvin, and, you know, we talked about how the the Big 12 gets more interesting towards the end of the year. I mean, just, just, just telling you, this is how Baylor is going to end this season. they got Texas Tech this week, who, you know, was ranked as high as 10, so, you know, maybe that's interesting. They go at Oklahoma. They're in Stillwater the next week. they got at TCU the week after that, and then the week after that, they come home and Waco to play Texas, so... You know, Baylor's got some interesting matchups. I mean, I think all four of those games could be interesting uh, you know, things for us to talk about, depending on, you know, Baylor, obviously, if they lose one of them, maybe less. But, you know, for Baylor, I mean, this is now going to be a week-by-week thing where they have to actually worry about each opponent. So we'll have to see if they can handle the pressure, depending on what happens ahead of them. Well, Trey, you didn't disappoint me with that number one game. I kind of wish you to put it at number 10 because it seems like Auburn has played better when you put them lower on the list. But... <laughs> Here they are at number one, and, and this is a, a huge game, I mean, in the SEC West for Auburn. I mean, they're 9-1, and one, and Georgia's coming in. You know, they're starting to get healthy again. This is a 3.30 CBS kickoff. I'll be there, Trey, sitting the 50-yard line. So, wow, this is a scary game. And for all these dumb Auburn fans that I see sometimes coming out here talking about the Iron Bowl, let's, let's think about Georgia first, Trey. I mean, how easy would it be for Auburn – to overlook this Georgia team, or do you think they will? Because they do have a bye week before they play Alabama. Does that help them remain focused and not worry about Alabama at this point? Well, I think it helps the coaching staff for sure. I mean, you know, you always wonder if, you know, how much looking ahead there is, especially when you have an undefeated Alabama who really doesn't have any challenges. So there's really no reason to think Alabama won't be undefeated. Uh, going in, and they have a basic bye week themselves, playing I think Chattanooga or some some high school. But um, you know, you look at you look at this game, and this has been a historic rivalry. Obviously, Georgia and Auburn. You know, the Georgia and Auburn hate week as well. A lot of fans will call this game. I mean, this is not a not an easy opponent for sure. And you're looking at you know a Georgia team who started the year with a lot of aspirations, a lot of talent. Um, the, this Georgia team has gotten better. They've gotten a little healthier. Uh, and, you know, ever since that close win at Florida, you kind of wonder if, you know, the Appalachian State week was a little bit weak for them to get healthy and if, you know, what they're going to have going into this week because, you know, for Georgia, uh, I think this is their season, Tarvin. I mean, so you could build this as the season for Georgia because, I mean, it's Kentucky after this and then a, a, a Georgia Tech team who, you know, may or may not be that tough. So, Tarvin, I think this game could redefine Mark Rick and Georgia's season, even with all these injuries, that they go into Jordan Hare and beat a top-10 Auburn team. I mean, that'd be huge for recruiting and huge for Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's had Auburn's number the last few years. If you take away the national championship year with Cam Newton, I mean, Georgia has owned Auburn. And, and that's that's concerning to me. But, but one stat, one little thing, that that people don't don't realize. Rodney Garner, the coach for Georgia that came over to Auburn at the about at signing day almost a few weeks before, he was at Georgia before Rick and he was a big part of that defensive success. 
And Trey, he recruited a lot of these players, so I don't think people understand that he understands how Georgia attacks, how they do everything. So I think he's going to bring that to Auburn's offense and help them prepare for this defense. This is going to be a track meet. I don't think either defense can stop the other one, Trey. I really don't. I think it's just a matchup where Aaron Murray's going to be able to throw the ball, and I think Auburn's going to be able to run the football, and they're going to have to throw. But I think being at home, Trey, with a crowd, this is going to be an electrifying crowd. That's why I'm so excited to be in the stadium to see. I mean, if Auburn wins this game, Trey, they're 10-1 and with a bye week heading into the Iron Bowl, but it almost guarantees them a Sugar Bowl. I mean, this, this is a huge game. I mean, you nobody expected Auburn to be 9-1 at this point. Nobody surely expected them 10-1, Trey. So how yeah. big is this game for Auburn? I mean, it has so much meaning to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it means it means a lot for both teams. And I look at this game, Tarvin, and, you know, Auburn's, what, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, I think. But, you know, you, you look at this, and, you know, the one thing about this that, that worries me for Georgia you know, if you're a Georgia fan, why I think you have to be concerned is they've played, uh, you know, a lot of teams real tough that have struggled against weaker opponents where Auburn has seemed to be real focused each week. And, you know, I haven't seen that focus each week from Georgia. And, sorry, that's that's why I'm picking Auburn in this game. I think it's going to be a relatively close game as well. I think, you know, with that three-point game, it could be a field goal at the end for Auburn. But I just see Georgia as a team that, that doesn't seem to have the right focus each week. Uh, for each opponent, uh, and that's my problem with Georgia and what Rick's doing this year. And uh, you know, whether it's injuries or not, I mean, I, I think even when they were healthy, uh, this was a team who really didn't win the games that you know, they really needed to, especially early in the season when they had a chance to make a statement against Clemson and couldn't do it. Um, but you know, Aaron Murray, who's been there, done that. I mean, I don't think they're gonna, I don't think Auburn's going to ever rattle him in this game. Uh, but I do think that Auburn, that running attack, uh, the only way I think this goes south for Auburn, Tarvin is if uh, Georgia gets a little bit of a lead and then all of a sudden we have Nick Marshall having to throw the football and if he makes some mistakes because, you know, he hasn't thrown the football a whole lot, uh, then you you can take the crowd out of this game and then then Georgia has a lot of momentum. So, you know, that's going to be the game plan for Georgia is try to get up early and then try to get get Auburn into a rushing attack or out of their rushing attack, uh, and then maybe we have a different game. But I just I think Auburn's going to be able to do their game plan. I mean, Georgia just can't stop it. Well, Trey, everybody talks about the Auburn offense, the Georgia offense, the defenses, but one thing that I took away from this year, each week the special teams of Auburn has gotten better. And going on the road the way they've been playing, last week at Tennessee they had so many kick return yards. They had a punt return for a touchdown that was like 85 yards, a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Tell me about special teams in this game, especially being at home. I mean, how important is that? If Auburn plays good in special teams, Say they have a touchdown or some good good kickoff returns. Do you think that'll give them the advantage to win this game? Because I don't know much about Georgia's special teams, but I don't think it's been really a factor this year like Auburn's has been. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's less of a factor. I mean, my real key to this is uh, that basically you have um, a team in Georgia who, even as of last year, Tarvin, they were giving up hundreds of yards rushing that doesn't bode well for a team like Auburn who who can rush the football so well. And so that's my real problem with this game is, you know, not necessarily the fact that, you know, defenses and offenses in general. It's just you have the strength of Auburn being that they have run the football very, very well this year. They're third in the nation at rushing the football. 
And I just think that Georgia's rushing defense, ranked at 20th in the nation, is actually a little bit of a misleading stat after watching them and giving up big rushing yards in games that matter. Uh, so I just think Georgia's going to give up some rushing yards to Auburn, and that's going to be right where Auburn wants to be is right back into their game plan. Yeah, I mean, I want to say Auburn wins this game easy, Trey, but God, I've seen this game go south for Auburn so many times. I've seen it go south for Georgia so many times. But when Auburn is ranked in the top ten at home against Georgia, they usually win, though. I mean, it's just the you old know, CBS. There has to be all these factors together, but – I don't know. I mean, this Auburn team has been so focused, like you said. They, they've shown each week they can handle the challenge, whatever comes their way. I just don't see it being any different. I think when you can run the football, you can run the football. And Georgia is one of those teams that lacks discipline. And remember, Trey, they lost their entire defense to the NFL almost. And I don't know how much a three-loss team that lost to Vanderbilt, what kind of heart they have. And when it gets tough on the road, when Auburn – gets a couple of touchdowns in a row. Do they quit, Trey? Or does Georgia have enough pride inside to to keep fighting? That's what I want to see. How is Georgia? I mean, you remember, they lost three games. They're probably not going to win the SEC East, but they have a slight shot to make it back. I mean, what do you think Georgia does if adversity hits? Do you think they keep fighting on, or do you think they they fold? Well, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I think one of the, the big questions, obviously, for Georgia is, you know, the way their season's gone is at what point, I mean, are they going to rally around it and try to make something of this season uh, in Aaron Murray's last season? Or if some of those guys just say, hey, we can, we can go at it next year. Uh, and that'll be, that'll be the, I think that's, that's, this game's going to test that. Well, I mean, 10 and 1 Auburn, just, just pretend and let's look. They beat Georgia and they have a bye week. What kind of chances do you get them, give them to beat Alabama? in Auburn? I mean, is it a realistic shot? Is it a 10% chance? What kind of chances would you give them? Well, I'm not ready to put a percentage on it because I kind of I want to see the Georgia game, and, and it's not necessarily that they have to, I want to see how they win it, if they do win it. Uh, and then I also want to see how Alabama plays against, you know, against Michigan, excuse me, Mississippi State and, you know, Chattanooga. If they, if they just go out and destroy them, you know, that matters to me. So, you know, it's one of those things that I think we have to see how they play week, week by week. And then, you know, if we go into this week and both teams look real good, I think we reevaluate. But absolutely, Auburn has a shot, whether they win or lose to Georgia. Uh, they'll have a shot against Alabama just because, you know, they're a decent football team. You know, they're, they're a good football team. Yeah, exactly. And, well, Trey, you know, we're going to talk about it. We said we would. ESPN right now is reporting, you know, about the – the Winston thing, and just your, just a question for you, Trey. If this comes out, just say it comes out, and and Jimbo Fisher decides he wants to bench until the investigation is completed. Maybe he feels like something did happen. What happens to Florida State? Even though say they're undefeated, and and there's a lot of there's four teams clumped at the top. Does Florida State get left out of the championship game if Winston's for sure not going to be playing? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a definite possibility. I mean, I, this, is, this is where the, the football committee, I think, would have weighed that very heavily. Obviously, the BCN have to take some pollsters changing their votes, which could happen. But uh, Florida State's backup, Jacob Coker, is out for the season. Uh, so, and, you know, if you're talking about Jacob Coker, who almost beat Winston out for the starting new job, if you talk to some people, he's gone. He he, he blew his knee out uh, last week uh, in the uh, the game last week. So, uh, I think you have to reevaluate Florida State if they don't. If they have a third-string quarterback starting the rest of the year. Okay. Well, uh, I don't know what's going to come. Paul Ewing seems like he's for sure that 
the length and assault of this girl, but this was updated at 929 on ESPN. It says Florida State freshman Winston is a part of an ongoing investigation into a sexual assault complaint filed with the Tallahassee Police Department in December 2012. Winston's attorney, Tim Jansen, said police contacted him in February 2013, but no charges were filed, and Winston never has been interviewed by police. So, Trey, don't you think if he did something that the police would have at least interviewed him? Well, I mean, that's generally the way police work. I mean, generally, <laughs> if you have a suspect, I mean, I found that uh, when I worked with OSI and I worked for them for uh, six years pretty much, uh, and they're the federal law enforcement agency, that, you know, when we have a suspect, we go interview them. <laughs> that's just what we do uh, as law enforcement. But, you know, who knows, man? This is, you know, ongoing investigations. There are a lot of reasons why you do a lot of different things, but, you know, that's certainly the way that things normally happen. But I mean, I, I mean, whether it happened or not, I hope it didn't for this kid's sake. But I mean, it's weird how anytime someone has success and and there's a chance that, that they could beat the tide or or they could win some football games and do some damage, all of a sudden stuff like this happens. I'm not saying it did or didn't because I I don't know. I wasn't there and I haven't read enough on it. But it's just weird the timing of everything to try to throw a distraction. I mean, luckily for Florida State, they play Idaho. Syracuse and Florida right now uh, because it could be dangerous with with stories like this. I remember when Cam broke, we had to play Georgia, which was coming back, doing good, and we had to go to Tuscaloosa. Imagine that. I mean, it was tough, and the SEC championship game. So it's just weird how stories break like this. But I don't know if you heard this Michigan story or not, Trey, where a fan got – I think he got pulled over for a DUI, and he was drunk and everything, and he blamed his (laughs) drinking problem. He yeah. blamed it on Al, Al Borges and the uh, Michigan offense, right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's kind of like the World Series defense and always sunny. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's an interesting defense to bring up. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to work out. Though, you know, give the guy credit for at least, uh, at least trying. <laughs> Maybe if the judges are the Michigan State fan, it works out. I don't know. He said the negative 48 yards rushing against Michigan State pushed him over the edge. I mean, I guess if Auburn, if Auburn comes in Saturday, Trey, and they they get negative 48 yards rushing against Georgia and lose, you could be hearing a report like this from me. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, maybe maybe the same goes for uh, a lot of college football fans after their, their team struggle or adversity hits them. I don't know. Uh, Possibly they should take a step back and you know maybe maybe reevaluate. Man, there's some crazy fans out there, and I don't know if you heard that that Alabama fan that got shot at the gas station in both legs. He claimed it was because he was an Alabama fan and people were heckling him, but but the police are thinking there's more to it than that, Trey. I don't know if you've heard about that. Yeah, I mean I haven't heard about that one, but well, all right, yeah. we're about to go. Any, anything in closing before we get out of here? No, man, just, uh, you know, like you said before, this, you know, we talked about this is the week last year, the number one, number two loss. So, you know, you know if you're reason to tune in to games that you think you that might not be interesting. Well, tune in Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern as we go over my 15-0 perfect record in these games, Trey. I mean, I'm just going to sweep the board, and I'm going to go to Auburn, and I'm going to watch a win, hopefully. So hopefully Sunday night we can be talking about the number five Auburn Tigers in the BCS instead of the number seven. It just sounds better. (laughs) Well, there you go, buddy. Good luck to your Tigers. 
All right. I appreciate it, guys. And everybody, thanks for joining us again Sunday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Join us. We're going to have another great show, uh, possibly have a couple of guests. So we'll keep you updated. Have a great week. Good night.